I'm Laurie Cardoza-Moore, and this is Focus on Israel. for joining me today on Focus on Israel. My name is Lori Cardoza-Moore, a wife and proud mother of five wonderful children. Like most Americans, I began to ask a lot of questions about what happened to our country following 9-11. As I read and talked to experts, the issues of radical Islam and the attacks on America and Israel became extremely personal to me. In response, I founded Proclaiming Justice to the Nations, a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating and sharing the message of Christian biblical responsibility to the people and land of Israel against the rise of a new anti-Semitism. In this series, Focus on Israel, I want to share with you what I've learned through my research and meetings with experts in their respective fields. The mission of this series and PJTN is to educate and equip you so that you can share this information with your family and friends. We'll present information you'll not see in the mainstream media. With your financial support, we can reach Christians around the world with our message to stand against the growing threat of anti-Semitism and anti-Israel propaganda. After studying the scriptures, I realized that God had not forsaken His covenant with His people, Israel. Unfortunately, there is a growing trend in Christianity to spread an age-old false doctrine and tradition called replacement theology. This heretical doctrine suggests that because the Jews denied Christ, the covenant promises given to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and their descendants now belong to the church. That is why during the Holocaust, many Christians turned a blind eye to the Nazi death camps. Many felt justified in their passive and active involvement because they believed the Jews were the Christ killers. For this reason, we must learn and spread the truth. It is so very important that at this critical time in history, we must turn our focus on Israel. Now, if you've missed any of our past programs, you still have a chance to review our most recent ones on the PJTN website. I also highly recommend that you purchase the DVDs of our past programs, as most are no longer in the online archive. Every lesson covers a specific topic and each contains a wealth of information. Plus, each features interviews with numerous experts, including theologians, rabbis, pastors, political leaders, historians, and prominent archeologists, many of them from Israel. Each program makes a great group study source to share with your family, friends, home group, or church. So please consider how you can help us make a difference and spread the word. Today, we'll be focusing on another area of major controversy, the spiritual warfare that is fought in the heavenlies over Israel and the Jewish people. We often look at what goes on in the physical world and forget what we are told in Ephesians, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The anti-Semitism we see in history and today in the physical world is actually manifested in the spiritual world. Pastor, songwriter, and worship leader Stephen Bliss was given a heart for Israel many years ago, and now he gives us some inspired insight into this dark and unseen world. The other day I had seen a movie that um, was from a propaganda film from the Nazis. And as I watched it, I was just, I was really overwhelmed at how sickening it was. It was just amazing how this, this convulsion of insanity came out of these people for the purpose of control. And as we were having this conversation, it, it inspired me to remember something that I had been going through for the last year and a half. And that was the revelation and the realization that even though we live in this horizontal horizontal plane between men and anti-Semitism and the whole concept of anti-Semitism is basically an idea that is men against men doing wicked things for the purpose of um, accomplishing, you know, darkness or hatred or violence. We're not getting the big picture. The big picture is far more dramatic, far more important to understand than just what is taking place in the natural. And that is the dynamic that this is an ancient war. This is a war that's been taking place for be, way beyond our comprehension of time. It's actually been taking place from before what we know as the universe, where we can look through telescopes and in the microscopes and the concept of understanding this which is physical and tangible long before this came into existence. There was a, a, there was a falling out. There was a massive rebellion that took place in the, in the kingdom of heaven. And that was when Lucifer himself, who was the greatest of God's creations, who covered the throne of God, he was this m unbelievable, I can't even imagine the beauty of who he was, because God calls him one of his greatest creations. He was a musical instrument. He led worship. He inspired the worship of God, and he covered the throne of God. I can't imagine what this, this creature looked like and who he was. And yet, he became envious, and he became jealous towards God, and he wanted, he wanted what was God's and God's alone. And when he rebelled, when he fell, he um, created a dynamic that would ripple throughout, not just the heavenlies, but it would ripple throughout time. And God meted out a judgment. God determined a judgment there. As Scripture says that you know, Yeshua was crucified before the foundations of the world, before the whole dynamic of what we understand as creation existed, it was already done. It was already taken care of. It was already acted out. The gavel had already been brought down. And Lucifer knew his end. He understood it. And of course he led a, a massive rebellion. A third of the host of heaven went with him and entered into this, this rebellion with him. And God created man in his image. 
Because Lucifer at the time would have been God's greatest creation. He would have been the most magnificent, the most beautiful, the most awe-inspiring. This he, he was just something that nobody had any idea of. We can't even conceive of such beauty. And yet God did something even greater. And it was going to be through his greatest creation that he was going to bring the final destruction of Lucifer. And God created man in his own image. He created this being that was the only thing in all of creation that was in the image of God. And it's interesting about man from a scientific perspective. He has one molecule in his genome, in his his DNA, that is different and it's uniquely to him and nothing else in all of creation that, that anybody has ever found has has, and that is called HAR-1. It is one molecule and it's unique. And uh, it separates him from everything else. And I personally believe that is a piece of who God is. And that's what makes him in the image of who God is. So in the concept of anti-Semitism, in the, in the idea of, of this thing that we see taking place, it's been the same dynamic that's been going on since the beginning, since the garden. Because Lucifer knew, he had an understanding of what he had done, he understood what he had done, he had the full understanding of what God's judgment was against him, and that judgment was a permanent judgment. It wasn't a judgment that was going to fail, it was going to come to pass. And when um, when he saw Adam and Eve in the garden, he, and he understood who they were. They were a type of a deliverer. They were a, because it was through them that he was going to bring the end of Lucifer. He was going to bring the destruction of Lucifer through them. And so Lucifer, in his devious and, and uh, twisted brilliance, understood that if he could get them to fall in the same way that he did, if he could get them to enter into his rebellion... God would wipe them out. He would finish them, and they would, they would, there would be no continuation. But when they fell, in which was an agenda of hell, it was, a, it was a dark, dark deed. When he got them to enter into that rebellion, at that point, he assumed that it would be over, yet God had another story. God had another way. God was going to show mercy. He was going to show grace. He was going to show forgiveness. And he was going to bring his son regardless. And so the story is a story of a series of deliverers that would come through time. And so the next attempt was to destroy uh, through um, uh, Cain and Abel. He inspired, Lucifer inspired Cain to kill Abel, which was the seed, because he's always trying to kill the seed, the DNA. He was trying to prevent that DNA from transferring all the way down to where the ultimate would take place, which would be the coming of Yeshua. So throughout time, he, every time a deliverer would come, he would try to completely destroy that seed. And and uh, of course, we're talking about a war that's been going on since, since way beyond anything that we can conceive of. And it's for the purpose of the destruction of, 
uh, man or the seed that would bring the ultimate deliverer, which was Yeshua. So when you get to the end of the book of Genesis, you, you have the story of God telling Moses his own story. Moses, you're a deliverer. And the same dynamic that took place in the garden and took place with Cain and Abel and actually took place in a grand scale with Noah is the same thing that took place when um, darkness inspired the mind of Pharaoh through the idea that the deliverer had been born amongst the Hebrews is to kill all the seed bearers, right? So that's exactly what he did. And then story goes forward all the way, through, although there are other ones along the way, um, the story goes all the way forward to Yeshua's birth, and it's the exact same story gets played out. So there's this constant inspiration, this convulsing of darkness. You know, the dark ones, the fallen ones come, and they inspire the mind to get rid of the, that which is the potential for deliverance, which not, is not just deliverance for man, but it is the demise of Lucifer. The story in its grand scale is not just the, the, the salvation of man you know, through Yeshua's work on the cross, but it's actually the finish of Lucifer once and for all because Lucifer is the inspiration for all of this. And so when Yeshua comes, the same dynamic takes place that happens with Moses. He inspires Herod. Herod goes and kills all the male children in Bethlehem. It's the exact same story. It's a spiritual war. This is an ancient war. It's a war that's a war in the heavenlies. It's not a war that's done. It, it, it's, it looks like it's happening uh, in a horizontal state, and there's dynamics that are definitely real. We don't want to deny that, but we're talking about an inspiration that comes from the the ones who were fallen. You know, the principalities and the powers and the ones that Paul talks about who dwell in heavenly places, and they they use the demonic world and they inspire uh, human beings to enter into their rebellion and their darkness and their wickedness. So there comes one last one, and that is, it comes through the prophetic words that Yeshua himself says when he talks about the fig tree coming into existence and the ones who see the fig tree coming back to life. Because in Mark, you have the story where he curses the fig tree and all the apostles, they see the, cur the, they see the fig tree one day, and then they come back the next day and he curses it because it wasn't bearing any fruit, and it's a, it's a metaphor, it's a picture. And, and that tree drops dries up and it dies. And yet he says, when you see the fig tree come back and it, it blossoms, he's speaking to something that was going to take place and he's talking about Israel coming into existence and the, and the rebirth of Abraham as a nation in the earth. So when Abraham is reborn in the earth after thousands and thousands of years of not being uh, a nation, because even when Yeshua was here, Israel was not a nation. It was not the nation of Israel. Rome was in control. It was known as Palestine. Uh, and that, at that time, it, it, was, it was completely disconnected from Israel as a nation and had been for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years at that time. Lucifer knew that prophecy and also that Jerusalem coming out of the hands of Gentiles. Those, those words were so strong that when the, when the possibility of this even taking place, of, of the time coming when Israel could become a nation, Lucifer knew it and he inspired not just Hitler, but he inspired, he's inspired many throughout time.
to conspire together for the purpose of the destruction of the Jews. That's what he wanted. He was trying to kill the seed. It's again the deliverer because the birth, the rebirth of Abraham in the earth and the birth of the nation of Israel and the restoration of the language and the, and the, and the Dead Sea Scrolls, the confirmation of the word being intact and all those things, those things were, um, those things meant the end. They meant the demise of Lucifer. His time was short at that point once the nation came into existence. Darkness isn't, didn't just use people like Hitler and, and uh, Stalin and Lenin. It had been planted in a seed in a book seven, in 700 AD by Muhammad for the purpose of wiping out the seed, just like God had said that Ishmael would be uh, uh, this, this consternation against brother against brother dynamic long back during the times of Abraham. I mean, so you've got something that was as ancient as that had, was also percolating underneath the surface. It hadn't come to the surface yet. So when one thing failed, boom, the next one takes off. And you, you see Hitler with the Grand Bufti, you know, you, you see this dynamic taking place, and, but nobody really understands what all that means in its fullness until after World War II. And all of a sudden you have the rise of the PLO, you have Yasser Arafat in the 50s, you know, suddenly what, where that fails, now you've got another dynamic and here comes the whole dynamic of Islam, the Quran, the calling for the destruction of the Jews again. And when Israel became a nation in, in 1948, we think of everything from a horizontal perspective, but there's a vertical dynamic taking place. There's something that's overarching. There's something that's taking place in the heavenlies that is sinister and dramatic, and it's inspiring all this. It's using the demonic world to influence and inspire minds that are, are given over and aren't given to God, and, and it's inspiring them for the purposes of destruction and trying to destroy this, the potential of that which would bring Yeshua back. When you look closely at the spiritual warfare over the land, there are two places there that the enemy wants to destroy more than any place on earth. That is Jerusalem and Judea Samaria. Tommy Waller is the founder and executive director of Hayuvel, the only international humanitarian organization supporting farming and archaeological programs in Judea and Samaria. Each year, Hayuvel brings a growing number of volunteers to the biblical heartland to serve local farmers. The New York Times has declared the work of Tommy Waller and Hayuvel to be effectively obstructing the creation of the Palestinian state. And I say, Amen, Mr. Waller. His many experiences there have shown him where the battlefield lies and what we must do to win. Here's the, the struggle. The, the enemy knows the, the, uh, the focus. The, you look at the enemy. See what the enemy is focusing on, and you'll see where, where the battle needs to, needs to occur. This is, where, this is why I'm talking about intercessors coming on really in interceding for the nation of Israel because uh, the Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria is the focus of the UN, is the focus of our administration, is the focus of, of the, the, the quartet. Nobody's talking about Haifa. Nobody's talking about Tel Aviv. 
Nobody's talking about the, the, the cities outside of Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And those, those places are specific places because I believe Yeshua also knew that those places were the, the places where the covenant was actually spoken. Those are, those are special places. When, when Abraham came from his father's house, he came to Elomarei, which is Shechem, which is today modern-day Nablus. It's the place where Joseph is buried. It's the place right beside Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal, Mount of Blessing, Mount of Cursing. All of these mountains are right next to each other. So these, all of these places are very special places, and all of that land, all of that land is the hot spots. If you look at Israel, it's there, those are the hot spots. All of those places have mosque on them. What is, what is Islam trying to do? It's trying to cover up the reality as if to say that they can stop the process from happening, the restoration of the land. The enemy is focused on, on uh, not establishing the land. What should we be focused on? We need to be focused on the, the establishment of the land and be praying fervently in that. Our, our, our Bible uh, studies, our, our congregations need to have intercessors praying night and day for this, this thing to happen. There's no other generation that's seen this. He says in verse 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit is coming to you, and you shall be a witness to me in Jerusalem, Judea, and in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, or the uttermost parts of the earth. So that's, this, is a, this is a key for us to understand. Do we, do we mark this out? Does it just, do we just take it out of the Bible? Is it, or does it say what it says? And it's not the opposite. It, it's, it starts there. Our gospel, our understanding of the scripture starts in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And then it goes... To the other, it's not. It's not from Nashville to there. It's from there out. That's that's, and that's why we have the understanding. That's why we're mixed up because the gospel can't come, not not legitimately. It, it, the understanding of the God, understanding of understanding of the scripture, the understanding of the restoration of this place. This is what the focus was. Is and it's all an answer to the question in verse six. Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He's still answering the same question. So, the, so if he's still answering the same question, then this is another big thing is, what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is given to you and to me to establish the kingdom, to be about the Father's business, to, to work towards, to empower us, to give us the ability. We can't do it in our own flesh. I mean, it would be impossible for us to go in and make all this stuff happen. But if, the, if, the, if this is true, he's still answering the question, uh, will, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And then in verse 8 he says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. He's telling the disciples, don't give up. I'm going to give you the power to accomplish this great feat. And they, and they w- did receive part of that at, the, at Pentecost. You're going to receive this power. That's the kind of power we need today. Today, in order to, to firmly establish those mountains, we're going to have to go in with power. The Holy Spirit needs to, needs to be a part of what we're doing. If we can carry that, if we can carry the manifestations of the, this, this empowerment of the Holy Spirit into the mountains of Israel, we can take the land again. Let's see the Holy Spirit 
work in the midst of a people to establish the land again so that the nations would see that this place is, uh, that God has made his name and establishing his name in this place. That's a, it's a huge thing. It's, it's bigger than, than any of us can comprehend, really. Or, or we're coming towards Hanukkah, the season of Hanukkah. Most Christians probably don't know a whole lot about Hanukkah, but Hanukkah is a very amazing time because you have this, this anti-Messiah, Antiochus, or Antiochus, however you want to say his name, uh, has a uh, is opposed is coming against this this uh, this this rise. What's happening is is that here's 150 years uh, before the Messiah is born, who we believe the Messiah is uh, is he is born in Bethlehem. What is the enemy trying to do? The, so 150 years Hanukkah is is a story about the the, the enemy trying to stop. This messianic process, the re, the establishment of this kingdom, and the, this kingdom means that his time is done. The enemy's pl- uh, time is over. Once his kingdom is established and the enemy is put down forever and and always, it's over. So he has to be in opposition to this. So here, 150 years before the Messiah comes in the world, the enemy tries to annihilate all the Jewish people. And if he annihilates all the Jewish people, it's the same idea that Herod had when he tried to annihilate all the babies. He tried to kill the he. The enemy wants to stop the the the, the messianic seed. If he can kill it or kill all the Jews, then he then it's it is done. It's over. And so that's what we have. We have all the we we have that picture in the in the story of Hanukkah. It's an amazing story, and then we we see that it 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 brought up again. In the inquisitions and the and the pogroms and the crusades, all this these attitudes of wanting to wipe out the Jewish race, why? And we see it majorly in the Holocaust. And this is in the amazing thing and this, the the strange things thing about the Holocaust is this is a this is not a third world country. This is a country that could be considered one of the most intellectual countries in the world at the time. And yet they were able to do something so horrible. That's, that's demonic. That's the- that's our show for today. And I want you to know we appreciate hearing from you. Please send your comments and questions to comments at pjtn.org. When time allows, I'll answer them on our program. The time to stand up is now. Be a leader in your community and in your church. One person can make a difference. Get involved with and support pro-Israel organizations such as PJTN. Call your elected leaders. Let them hear from you. Visit our website to learn more. Sign up to receive free newsletters, action alerts, daily blogs, and order our films to share with family and friends. Be sure to join us next week as we'll be focusing on the imminent threat of a nuclear-armed Iran. Please encourage your family and friends to tune in and check the PJTN website for the program schedule of Focus on Israel. God bless you, and thank you for all you do on behalf of our Jewish brethren and all Israel. We'll see you next time on Focus on Israel. 
To support this program, send your tax-deductible gift to Proclaiming Justice to the Nations, P.O. Box 682711, Franklin, Tennessee, 37068. You can also support PJTN online. Visit PJTN.org or call 1-877-873-9020. Anti-Semitism has reached epic proportions, and Israel is now surrounded by nations who seek its destruction. For Israel to lose just one battle would mean losing everything. As Christians, it is our biblical responsibility to stand with our Jewish brethren and Israel. PJTN needs your help to reach more Christians with this urgent message. Please visit our website to become a member today and order our award-winning documentaries. You must decide that you won't be silent. Sign up now at pjtn.org. God bless you and thank you for your support and prayers.